eight-year-old on Christmas morning. Like, ah, where's my lawsuit? It's not there. Damn it. Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast for 2021 May 10th. Coming to you live from America's left coast where our governor might be a communist authoritarian sleazeball, but he's not a sexual predator. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Hey, Ryan, it's Carl from Who Are These Podcasts? I got some big shoes to fill today because Darren O'Neill is not with us. I have a feeling a lot of uh, episodes just got deleted off of people's phones as I said that. Yes, that's right. It's just me and Sir Bemrose. Thanks for having me, buddy. Hey, thanks for coming along. I actually was I was really nervous I, when I contacted you because Darren said he was going to be out. It was uh, I said, you know, this is going to be a long shot, but how would you like to be on the show? And uh, to my surprise, you came back with, yeah, I mean, you are doing so many podcasts. How many is this this week now? Yeah, it's too much. I was I just did a show, The Creep Off, I do with uh, Vinnie Paulino. And I was just telling him, I got to learn to start saying no, because I've been doing, I've been recording a podcast every single day for weeks now. It's getting to be I, too you much. Know, I, from your Patreon numbers, it sounds like it's starting to pay off, though. No, it's great. I, I love it. I mean, Who Are These Podcasts is continuing to grow. It's a very successful show. And uh, to get the word out there, it's good to go on to other people's shows. I did Chrissy Mayer last week. I did the Chip Chipperson podcast last week. So we're getting the the news out there. But uh, yeah, it just it's starting to get starting to get to me a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, too I, much. I, I understand that. I'll try not to uh, keep you for too long. We shouldn't go more than four or five hours today. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say though, that, uh, it's me who expects to get a bump from you this time. Just, just saying that the fame is going to flow the other direction. I mean, we, anyway, um, so, uh, oh, you flatter me, sir. Bemrose. You I know, flatter I, me. I, it's because I'm about to start dropping bombs on you. All right. Um, are, are you familiar with the format of this show? For the most part, we, uh, we get together and we bullshit about stuff. And if we run out of topics to bullshit about, then then we've brought articles and stories of the tech world, and then we complain about those for a while. Yeah, and, and I, I actually brought three articles that I do want to get to oh, at some point. Awesome. So yes, awesome. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about this. Great. And, uh, and the other thing that I was hoping that I could do for you, uh, honestly, I didn't... I wasn't interested in uh, as much in bringing you on because of WATP, because I got to admit, I'm a little sick of hearing about Patrick Michael. And if you don't know who that is out on, out on the No Agenda stream, you, uh, uh, you're lucky. But uh, I did want to bring you in because you are a No Agenda knight. You are uh, at least tangentially connected to the community. You definitely follow the topics. And I know, despite your every effort to keep it out of your own podcast, that you have got a political streak in you. And uh, that's what I'm hoping to bring out. If, if sometimes, I can. It, yeah, sometimes it creeps out a little bit on my show. We try not to do anything political, but yes, I am a baron of the uh, No Agenda Roundtable. Excellent, I love it. Um, and uh, it, what, what was your title? It was it was not just Baron of Rochester. It was it was Baron of uh, Cuomo's and uh, something camp. I, I forget. I got to write it down one of these okay. days. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You need you need business cards with that stuff on it. Right. Um, I I I went ahead uh, just just for you um, and uh, dropped it when I was doing my research. I dropped into uh, the news search the words uh, you know Cuomo investigation and uh, unfortunately there's not a lot new in there. But I did pull up an article uh, about the attorney general expanding the investigation um, in light of somebody named Larry Schwartz who was a uh, vaccination program chief for New York and uh, the state made a change to the lobbying rules that would have barred him from serving as a lobbyist if he stayed the vaccination program chief. So he resigned. And this uh, this apparently caused yet another expansion of the investigation of this guy. You probably know more about what's going on with him than I do. Is is there anything that we should know just for the purpose of having popcorn and enjoying the drama? Yeah, so I live in New York State, and I've not been thrilled with our governor's performance because when you have a policy that results in more people dying, and and the policy was, of course, that the nursing homes had to take in COVID-positive patients into their nursing homes, and we now know that that was a bad decision. A lot more people died than would have if he had let the hospitals take care of it. The biggest problem is not that he made that mistake, is that he tried to cover it up. And his dumb spokesperson admitted to the news media that they lied about the numbers because they didn't want Trump using those numbers against him. God forbid. So that makes it okay because, you know, Trump's evil. (laughs) So that makes it okay to lie about the numbers. And what's insane for me about this is nobody talks about that anymore. Everything's about him being creepy with 20-somethings and 30-somethings on his staff. Uh, Seven or eight women all came out. And had their little stories that were mostly nothing. Most of these stories were like, yeah, I felt uncomfortable. Or there's, you know, that picture that came out where he's holding that girl at a wedding. It's like it's in front of 50 people. The the, the (laughs) kind of stuff that American politicians can just shrug off. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you think this might be calculated like a calculated attempt at, uh, you know, we're we're going to give him a a quick sexual scandal that he'll be able to shrug off and, and come back later so that he doesn't have to face the people he killed? Well, that's very pessimistic thinking there, Sir Pembrose. Yeah, welcome uh, but, to Grumpy Old Ben's. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I, honestly, it, that's the only thing that makes sense to me because how did this scandal happen and nobody talks about it anymore? I'm talking about the nursing home scandal. That's really the most important thing. Now, the thing with the lobbyist and, and this shit goes on all the fucking time. And thank God there still are some reporters and journalists who are investigating things and digging these things up. But it falls on deaf ears because the major news outlets don't run with it because they're all in cahoots on this shit. So it does seem like because these, and I actually know one of the women who came out against Cuomo. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I served on a voluntary board with her here in, in Rochester. Well, and, I'm not going to uh, ask you to dox her, but do you believe her? I do believe her because if you, if you I, I definitely believe her. If you listen to her okay. story, it was, it's not anything that's that groundbreaking. You know, she worked on this, I forget what the campaign was. She worked on this campaign with him and he complimented her on her looks instead of on her work. And it's like, uh, okay, so what, what, should we put him in jail? What are we, what are we doing with this guy? I, I'm confused. Well, you shouldn't be governor. I'll tell you that much. I, well, I, I, I mean, he, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if being a creep deserves jail time. There's a whole lot of people out there who would right. uh, no longer, but, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I am glad that there are people like uh, Governor Cuomo out there. 
uh, because him and uh, uh, Newsom and this uh, Whitmer and uh, who's the guy from Pennsylvania, these guys actually make me feel a little bit better than my or about my communist governor, who's just doing things like passing carbon taxes and uh, enforcing critical race theory in school. You know, the usual. <laughs> that's not good. No, that's, no, it's that's not, not good. helpful. <laughs> I, I what state are I you in, Right, I'm sorry. I don't even know where you live. What state are you in? I, I'm. I am uh, I'm just north of Seattle. I'm in Washington State. Gotcha. And my, my yeah. governor is a, a guy that I affectionately refer to as Jay fucking Inslee. Okay. Yeah. That's a, um, a beautiful part of the country, though. I've been up to uh, Seattle oh, a couple of times. It's lovely here. I, I grew yes. up in, I, I, I was born in, in eastern Washington, which is, is a desert, but is very picturesque. And then I moved to western Washington where, you know, I did, I, I, I've been in this state for over 40 years. I love the geography. I love the weather. I love everything about it, except for the, the communists and socialists who have moved in and pretty much taken over everything. And, uh, it's, it's tough because we're, we're actually looking at getting out of Washington state and, and trying to move to somewhere that, that has freedom. And I keep hoping one of these days that, that the, 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 takeover the the marxist takeover that is going on in the left coast states will blow over and we might return to normalcy and i can stick around here because uh you know i know people here i've got uh you know my my brother who i visit uh you know every other weekend or so is is not far away and he's got his kids who you know, i don't have kids myself so i'm pretty excited about um you know visiting them because of course the cutest little girls and uh yeah, this this thing about um, the it was just yesterday that uh, Inslee signed a bill that had been working its way through the all Democrat uh, Washington state legislature, which is now going to instruct school boards to modify the curriculum to teach anti-racist and racial cultural aware curriculum, which means that uh, we're going to we're going to have indoctrination camps in in our public schools here and now we already I'm, we already do but yeah i know it's just right out in the open now isn't it it is it's it's a little frightening well uh, everything you you probably saw that youtube video that ryan long created where it shows that the racist people and the anti-racist people are the same people like if, if you're a racist and you base everything on someone's skin color and ethnicity it's the same thing with these anti-racist people who that's the only thing that matters is your ethnicity, your the color of your skin. It's like, don't, you don't realize that you're the fucking racist asshole? You're not getting oh, yeah, that? You, yeah, you, you nailed it with that. They, they use the term anti-racist because the, the, the boogeyman that they are all fighting against is the specter of, of institutional racism, but... Uh, it, you know, I, if, if you don't go by the, you know, the, the new definition of the word racist, it's, it's one of those words that you can hardly use anymore because different people now have different definitions because of the popular redefinition of it. Um, the new definition is that, uh, if you're, well, I mean, honestly, the new definition is if you're white, uh, the old definition was if you judge people based on the color of their skin and not the contact of their character to borrow a phrase from Dr. Martin Luther King and going by the old definition it and, and, and just a little bit of critical thinking, it is painfully obvious that the, the woke culture of, uh, of critical race theory and anti-racism and whatever words they couch it in, they want to, 
codify in our society that black people and and whatever minorities there are today, I think Asians are on their way out, but they're um, are are to be given benefits and white people are to be denied. And how can anyone tell me that this isn't exactly the same thing as as we went through when we were forcing black people to sit at the back of the bus back in the 50s? No, oh, yeah, no, it, it, you're 100 percent on that one. It's just flipping the the sides of it. And I got to think, you know, you're, you're hoping that maybe communism will fall on the uh, the left coast. I, I am, I in fact, hoping that. I, I am, too. But it's crazy to me that you look at California, what's happened in California over the last 30 years. And I don't know, you probably saw that campaign ad that Caitlyn Jenner put together, which have you seen that? I, I, I don't think I've seen the ad. Go ahead and describe okay. it. It's interesting. Basically, showing images of what California was a beautiful place that people flock to because the weather's great. They have all this industry there. There's so much to do. And now it's nothing but tent cities. There's drug abuse. There's so many problems. Everyone's leaving. Industry is leaving there. Even Hollywood doesn't film there. They film anywhere else they can. And it's because of the policies. It's when Elon Musk, when Elon Musk has his company there employing all these people, paying all these taxes, and he says, all right, fuck off. I'm out of here. I'm going to Texas. Like, do you ever look in the mirror and go, you know, maybe we should stop having some of these policies that we have. They're not working in our interests anymore. Well, I always assumed that the whole reason why that they did that was because Elon Musk was a racist. Oh, right. That must be. It. No, that- but honestly, like, Sir Bremrose, this is the thing that's crazy to me is you can witness when you have one party rule, and I'm not saying that a place where it's all Republicans is uh, paradise. It most certainly is not. Politicians suck by and large. Yeah. It, yeah, know, the, the, only thing that, the, the only thing that keeps politicians in check is politicians working against them from the other side. So any one party rule is not a great place. Correct. But, correct. And that's why it's so crazy to me that as soon as we have now in Washington, Democrats running the place, they're like, OK, so now we got to make D.C. a state and we got to pack the courts like we just need to have Democratic rule from now on. It's like, get, look at California. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. I would think yeah, that there'd but, be moderate Democrats. You'd be like, all right, we have to start voting a different way for a little bit. You know, it, I'll still be a Democrat, but this fucking critical race theory shit being shoved down my child's throat. Like, there's got to be moderate people who know this is insane. Do, do you honestly believe there are any moderate people left in New York or California? Well, in New York, I yes, guess you're there. I think most I, people are. I think most people are. I, I mean, they've been leaving in droves. I know that because for two decades, they've been coming here. Right. I, yeah, and I know. Yeah. And then, and then bringing their policies, of course, which, you know, which their policy is, is, well, I don't like what the Democrats are doing, but but I've been taught all my life that Republicans are bad. So when I get here, I'm going to vote Democrat anyway. And now now my state is also turning into California or or has. Uh, do you, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, in, enough of the voters in uh, in California, the the Caitlyn Jenner commercial you just described sounds like it would uh it would be really compelling uh, to the population of California as it was, say, eight, 10 years ago. I'm just not sure the, how many of those are left. And then, you know, talk about packing the courts. How about packing the state with this illegal immigration thing? Oh, we need to invite everybody in. And then anybody who's here, we need to let them vote without ID, you know, and bring any <laughs> death certificates you find because we're going to make sure they vote, too. I saw a funny thing on uh, on Mastodon. Somebody posted 
Uh, I don't know if it was a Babylon B or something, but it was. Uh, oh, Babylon B is awesome. It's great. It, it was like an article that was like uh, liberals amazed at black man with ID. And it showed a black guy with ID. <laughs> the liberals were all like, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. How was he able to pull that off? Uh, so um, you said you had stories. I want to hear one of them. What do you got? All right. Let's start off with this story from the Wall Street Journal. I think it posted yesterday. And the headline is Melinda Gates was meeting with divorce lawyers since 2019 to end marriage with Bill Gates. The philanthropist had discussions with lawyers in October 2019 around when the Microsoft co-founders ties to Jeffrey Epstein became public. That's interesting. Oh, we're, we're back to that, are we? Well, you guys were speculating uh, last week's show about this divorce and it's none of your business. And I'm with you on that. I don't care about that. But Jeffrey Epstein does make it very interesting, doesn't it? Uh, It it makes it much more entertaining drama. And, uh, you know, I do make the distinction between things that are entertaining drama and I just watch them for the entertainment value. And and the Epstein thing is definitely that and the, the Bill and Melinda Gates thing. And then I make a distinction between that and stories that are genuinely going to harm me, like, you know, like my whole state is turning into communists. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm definitely in in the 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 Bill and Melinda Gates thing is is pure entertainment. The Epstein thing, uh, I mean, we could bring in uh, the the first public appearance of uh, of what's her name, Maxwell something with a black eye. Um, it, this is a story that that the elites really don't want to be out there. Uh, a funny thing, I haven't seen anything about it on on CNN. No, they're not covering this on CNN. I'm surprised. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll actually, I'm surprised the, artic- the Wall Street Journal even touched it. Uh, it's like the number one article on there right now because they rank the most uh, popular stories, and it, it is number one. So apparently, that's the only place you can get it. Uh, so I'll just read from the article real quick here. The couple hasn't said what prompted the split. One source of concern. For Miss Gates was her husband's dealings with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, according to the people and a former employee of their charity, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Miss Gates' concerns about the relationship dated as far back as 2013. According to the documents reviewed by the journal, Miss Gates and her advisors held a number of calls in October 2019 when the New York Times reported that Mr. Gates had met with Mr. Epstein on numerous occasions. Mr. Gates once stayed late into the night in Mr. Epstein's Manhattan townhouse, the Times reported. I'm sure they were just, you know, having drinks and discussing uh, mundane things like like how to murder 10 percent of the population with vaccines. Well, it, was or inter- something. it was interesting at that night when he stayed late into the night, a woman showed up with her 15 year old daughter and they don't say what the business was for her to be there. But uh, I found that to be kind of sketchy. Uh, and, and, and is the is the daughter still around or? <laughs> Who knows? Suddenly, suddenly took a permanent vacation to an island somewhere. Or? Yeah. Miss Gates, a global advocate for women and girls, had told her husband she was uncomfortable with Mr. Epstein after the couple met him together in 2013. There's an understatement. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is after he had been convicted, obviously, 2013. Right. Mr. Yeah. Gates and some employees of the Gates Foundation continued a relationship with Mr. Epstein despite her concerns. In 2013, Bill Gates reported to have flown with Mr. Epstein on his private jet from New Jersey to Palm Beach, Florida. And what Gates says is, I met him. I didn't have any business relationship or friendship with him. I didn't go to New Mexico or Florida or Palm Beach or any of that, he explained. There were people around him who were saying, hey, if you want to raise money for global health and get philanthropy, he knows a lot of rich people. I, so, you know, and I'm I'm going to take the 
I'm going to play the devil's advocate side. I don't necessarily believe this position, but uh, Bill was was always kind of a wheeler and dealer, and he was always the kind of person who would would make deals and then think about the consequences later. And maybe, just maybe, he he wasn't, you know, it, it's possible he was there for, you know, to get some of that adrenochrome into him, but it's also possible maybe he really just wanted uh, to, you know, Epstein was a, a power broker, Back in the yeah. day, way before before all this stuff came out about what he was actually doing, he had connections to a lot of very powerful people. And if you're a powerful people person who wants to get more powerful people so that you can, you know, expand your bond villainy and your your take over the world with vaccines program, then uh, maybe that's all it was. Maybe he just really needed like he's like, you've got influence with powerful people and I want to use that. Sir Bemros, I totally agree with you except for the point that it's now causing their relationship to end years after well, how long has it been since Epstein died? Was it two years well, ago? Anyway, yeah, years a, after a years after his uh, obvious suicide. Um, now they're still going through with a divorce over it, which tells me that it wasn't just, he was trying to raise funds. I mean, I agree with you. It's very possible. This guy was a wheeler and a dealer. And of course they're going to cross paths and he's going to try to make some money and, and raise funds. But the fact that Melinda is still upset about this and she decides that she needs to file for a divorce tells me there's more to it than that. Well, if there is, do you think we'll ever find out? Of course not. That's why I wanted to talk about it before this. Uh, we never hear about this ever again. This is like <laughs> okay. this is like a snapshot okay. in time. You can come here, <laughs> and this is what this is what podcasts are good for. Uh, it, as as a as a podcaster, we are in a unique position to provide you unconfirmed speculation about every topic <laughs> that you're never yeah. going to hear the confirmed truth about. Correct. Yes. Isn't that fun? Yes. Yes. So. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned that you wanted to, to talk briefly about, I don't I don't know uh, if, if you have specific questions or what is uh, the, the, the podcasting is going through a bit of, of a changeover. There's the whole podcasting 2.0 thing where uh, it, which which combines um, the, the new namespace and a bunch of new metadata you can throw into your RSS feed in order to to put in. And then, you know, the big really big feature in podcast 2.0 is the value tag where uh, podcast apps are now getting to the point where uh, just by listening, you can tell your app to go ahead and I'm listening to this. So send this many billionths of a Bitcoin to the podcaster for as long as I'm listening. And then also have a button that says, uh, you know, this part I really particularly like, and you hit the boost button and it sends a, a big chunk all at once with a timestamp. And um, I, I wanted your take uh, on that. And uh, and also on, uh, you know, the, the it looks like Apple's podcasts is it uh, is suffering some problems at the same time, which which Adam Curry and Dave Jones, who run podcasting 2.0, certainly see as a, as a boon. I have not heard their take on this yet, but yeah, podcasting 2.0 is a brilliant idea. I know that Adam Curry has been uh, has been working on that because we have to keep this decentralized. My biggest concern for the future of podcasting, our companies like Apple and Spotify, who are going out and saying, if you want to hear this show, you hear it exclusively through our channel. This is bad. What Joe Rogan did, this precedent that he set, was very bad for pad podcasting. And it happened immediately where you saw the consequences. There's, what, 40-some-odd episodes that no longer exist 
because Spotify said, well, we don't want uh, a conversation with so-and-so to be on Spotify. So we've, we've taken that down. It's like just conservative people. It's not, it's not like it was yeah, Jeffrey Epstein. Only, only bad people. Around. Only right. people that you shouldn't, you, that you shouldn't hear about. And, and as we know, our, our overlords, the, the woke 20 somethings at Spotify who know better than everybody else, what you should and shouldn't be able to hear are absolutely the judge of uh, the, the gatekeepers of culture. So podcasting is the last place where you and I can come on and we won't get canceled for what we're saying. We're saying that Washington state is turning into a communist country. We won't get canceled for that. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Twitter, you know, any of these centralized platforms, you can and will get kicked off and permanently banned from them. So it's very important that we keep podcasts decentralized. They should be able to be played through any type of app that anybody's using. But unfortunately, Apple has decided to do something. And I have an article here from thenextweb.com, which is a financial times company. And uh, these seem to be celebrating this. It says, Apple fires up the podcast war with subscriptions and an app redesign. Watch out Spotify and Patreon. And so this is from a couple of weeks ago when they made the announcement. At today's spring-loaded event, Apple fired a shot that could remodel the whole podcast industry. And damn, I'm excited. Are you? I, I am. Uh, it, it, <laughs> what surprised me about that article is it, Apple really thinks that, that their primary competition is, is Spotify and Patreon. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that's true. And uh, the reason is I think that uh, the, the primary competition is, uh, is Anchor FM. It's... Uh, uh, it, it, Libsyn. It's it, it's all of the independent companies that don't have a figurehead at the top and and still account for the bulk of the podcasting. It is it is people going out and getting the the PowerPress plugin from uh, uh shoot is it Buzzsprout what the 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 plugin that one of the uh provide the hosting providers is sent out that says just plug this into your wordpress and start dropping mp3 files in and here we'll create a podcast rss feed which makes it so trivial that anybody can do a podcast and that is the real benefit of podcasting that i don't think apple i mean they're apple is shutting out their long tail and i think that podcasting more than most places is almost all long tail well i have bad news for you uh you said independent uh, organizations like anchor.fm weren't uh -oh. they acquired by spotify i think that uh, anchor is a spotify i i think they might be now. i don't know i i don't have an anchor podcast you might know that better than i do right so yeah i, I do have the peapod on uh, on anchor which is uh really popular <laughs> but besides That's, that it's one of the best shows on anchor <laughs> it probably is That's some of the point. most content well You'd be surprised, and I understand what you're saying from a content creator standpoint, but from a listener standpoint, and what we're seeing is Spotify has surpassed Apple. I see in my numbers what people play my podcast through, and Spotify used to be a tiny blip, and now it's taken over as the largest platform that people are hearing who are these podcasts through. So Spotify wow. to me is very important and I'd have to have my show there. If I didn't, I'd probably lose, you know, close to a third or at least a quarter of my audience uh, who just that, wouldn't see it anymore. That's crazy. That's, uh, you know, one of the themes that we talk about on this show way too often is, is the triumph of, of convenience over common sense. The, yep. the, the Spotify app or, or just convenience over choice the Spotify app limits what you can do with a podcast more than just about any other app out there. 
but it's got great marketing and it is tremendously convenient to just install an app and get access to anything in their in in their catalog, which apparently doesn't include 40 something Joe Rogan episodes. But that's <laughs> yeah. OK for most people. Yes. It's, uh, I, I don't know. You know, it's things like that, that you, you told me that you think that you have, you have so much faith in humanity that you think that Californians might even vote for a Republican. And, and I'm telling you, these are the same type of people who install the Spotify app because it's more convenient, even though it limits what they can watch, listen to. Yeah. I don't think people even realize that. And I'll tell you, I bet Joe Rogan's numbers are down quite a bit from where they used to be because he used to get millions of views on YouTube for each of his episodes. And he's no longer doing that. I stopped listening to Joe Rogan as much as I used to because I don't use Spotify for podcasts. I use it for music. I do pay Spotify the monthly rate so I can hear any song I want anywhere I'm at. So I enjoy the service for that, but it's not my podcast go-to. So all these Joe Rogan episodes come out and I just never pay any mind to them and then every now and again i'll go oh that's right joe rogan has a podcast well, who's he talked to recently and there's you know four or five really interesting people that i want to hear from so i'll get caught up to some extent but uh yeah I, I just think having exclusivity is such a bad idea for podcasters and for podcasting in general so it's bad for the podcaster because there's so many different apps out there and so many different ways people are are actually getting this information and streaming your show and then it's obviously bad for the podcasting industry because censorship will be the the next thing i mean it's it's obvious it's already happening and the fact that apple now so i, I don't know if i got to the point but, but basically what they're doing is you can subscribe to podcasts through apple and they've already taken on some exclusive podcasts i think uh uh chappelle has a podcast coming out that's only going to be on apple so they're trying to do the same thing that Spotify did. They're following that model and uh, scares the shit out of me. I'm not not a fan of this. You, you mentioned that you listen to uh, Spotify for music, and I will tell you, we need to introduce you to a time-worn technique known as piracy. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And uh, I, I used to use uh, all, all the different sites but um god it's just so much more convenient to just pull up your phone do a quick Again, search and listen to, <laughs> yeah listen to any song you want and brand new albums as soon as they drop it's great and and i'm with you uh you know i i have a, a pretty good reputation of being a curmudgeon luddite i i don't use um you know I, I don't run javascript in my browser i don't install apps if i can avoid it uh, and i got to admit sometimes it's really really hard when you're like okay like if i want to go do this the hard way then i have to uh, I, I have to dig in i have to do you know i have to enable this I, the site doesn't work without this script okay i have to turn on this domain i have to enable yeah. cookies and so you're making your life more difficult in, I am, in a lot of different I, ways I am, yes. I am absolutely and and i do that on the principle of i don't want to be tracked and i don't want people to be uh you know trying there i mean i have i have researched and even brought to this show so many examples of of where just using things the way we're told can ultimately result in uh, a very dangerous behavior the the most obvious which is is when a new exploit comes out or vulnerability in some piece of software that we all knew about and the only recourse that most people have is oh well as soon as a patch is available we update fortunately software companies are pretty damn fast at patching so uh, it's not quite the apocalypse that it could be out there but it's worse than most people think and um i i i guess my the, my point with the convenience though is i have i i run multiple browsers 
And the one that I use for my daily driver is severely locked down. When Whenever somebody's like, this website is not safe, I'm like, I'm going to go there anyway because it's not going to store cookies. It's not going to run JavaScript. It's not going to. And I, I'm, I'm generally a lot safer than most people. But then I have another browser that I only launch for specific things. And it's, you know, when I want to log into something that needs. And it is so hard sometimes when somebody throws a link at me and says, hey, we need you to check this out. You know, it's it's from. Uh, YouTube or BitChute or something. It's so hard to go through the configuration in order to see it there instead of just, okay, I'll just copy the link out into my insecure browser. Right. Well, I will tell you that I am walking hypocrisy because my other Join the uh, club. My other gig is that of digital marketing. I think we talked about this last time I was on yes. Grumpy Old Benz. That was I, a while I gave back. you a lot of crap about it. I, I, I swore to yeah. myself I wasn't going to do that this time. Oh, no, but this is what's crazy about it is I hate Google. I think that they're an evil corporation in every single way. And yet I have put more of my clients' money into Google system, into Facebook system. I train people how to use Google ads. I I go out and I shill this shit because it works. For advertising, for marketing, yeah. it fucking works, man. There's does, a reason does, why 25 cents of every dollar spent in advertising in the world goes to Google. It fucking works. That's crazy. It's I, I mean, does okay. First of all, let me let me just. I'm I'm going to try to characterize what you're doing here. Are you making your clients money? Of course, yes. Well, then then it sounds like it's worth it, and uh, that's really what you're optimizing for. And you can hate Google all you want, but if that's still the right way to go about making your life better, uh, you know, you I don't think anybody can demand that that you give up what's good for you and your clients and the people that you represent just for whatever's good for society. That way lies socialism. And and I don't think we're about that here. Well, so, yeah, I, I live in the world that I live in. So I have to, you know, adhere to the rules that, that as they are. But, you know, you obviously go above and beyond and inconvenience yourself out of principle, whereas I yeah. will certainly do not. And, you know, another thing with the Spotify thing. I also play in a band and we're oftentimes at band practice needing to reference a song or a part in a song. It's like, I just want to be able to pull it up real quick, find the song, find the part, listen to it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that is an A minor. Great. Let's, let's hit it. And I, I can't be on fucking torrent sites. Uh, let me go home and, and get on a torrent site and see if I can find the song and I'll be back, you know? Oh, it's certainly possible. But I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I understand where you're coming from. And that is absolutely a decision everybody can be can make. Uh, if I might, uh, if I might have a, a little bit of a confession, part of the reason why I inconvenience myself so much is so that I can stay angry at the technology, because that's kind of my thing on this show. <laughs> that's a good point. Yes. Right. If you were using Chrome and it was working great for you, what kind of show would you have? Yeah, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, this is Grumpy Old Ben's. I I tried out this website, everything worked, and uh, that's the rest of our story. Beautiful. I, yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, who wants that? That's isn't that great content. That's right. So you suffer for your art, and uh, we yes. appreciate that. So, All right. Uh, what else do you want to oh, talk yeah. about? Did you bring any, um, uh, any stories today? I did. Well, I've got a trio of stories about Amazon. Um, I did. Great. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking through the... Not not really stories, but things I wanted to poke you about. So let's see. We we talked about podcast two point briefly. Um, I, I I will say, do you do you use in your podcast? Do you use any of the podcast two point features? Have you had much interest in 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 hooking up and getting on the value block? I have not. I am interested in it. I hope it takes off. It seems great, but I have not put forth the effort yet because. And correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about this. I don't think there's been wide adoption of it yet. 
There has not. And as of right now, it is an impressive amount of effort in order to, uh, let's see, we, we have been on the value block for about a week now. And I think we've made somewhere in the neighborhood of $11. All right. Well, Hey, um, you gotta, you gotta I, start I'm, somewhere, my friend. That's I mean, more it's than I not nothing, but it's, it's not nothing, but it's, uh, it's, it, I, if if you're in this for the money, then I don't think it's ready yet, and I, I think that's been our theme before. Um, however, if if you ever do decide that you want to jump on this, and and I think it's still really early, and I think the adoption is not quite there, and and you know from the podcasting perspective, you don't really want to adopt it until more users get on it, and from a user perspective, you don't really care to change apps, you know, because that's what that's what has to be done in order to use this. You have to switch apps to one of the ones it supports and you don't really care to do that unless the podcasts you listen to are on it. So it's a bit of a catch 22, but I know some very smart people are working on it. Yes. I agree with you on that. So how does this work? Because I have not looked into it as much as I should. And I, I know that on the 2.0 podcasting podcast, they actually reference something that we talked about. They played a clip from uh, who are these podcasts. So I really should be paying more attention, but how do people give these micro payments? Is it through crypto? It, it is. It's it's through the Lightning Network, which is uh, a a network that is it, it takes Bitcoin and uh, it is designed to take some of the to, to take most of the transactions off of the main Bitcoin blockchain. And I, I'm actually the wrong person to explain this because I don't understand it nearly as well as some of the people in the troll room who are going to be live fact checking me. So I need to be careful with what I say here. Uh, but the is there an active network. troll room right now? Yeah, uh, we we use that. we use uh, it's 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 hashtag no agenda on irc zero node dot net and it, oh, okay. it's an IRC troll room and it's exactly the same one that that twenty four hours before our show we are gracious enough to let the no agenda show use our troll room. Oh, that's nice of you. Yeah, we even named our troll room hashtag no agenda just so that they would feel comfortable here. Smart, smart. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to say that uh, Sir Bemrose actually trolls me when I do my show every Saturday at two on a little thing called Discord. But different oh, yes, than what you yes. guys are up to. But we uh, will make sure that 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 link is in the show notes, too. It's uh, I'll, I'll drop it in. But um, so the. The value block uh, uses the Lightning Network, which effectively is a a higher capacity method, uh, a lower, ideally a lower fee method, although it's not working out quite that way, of transferring Bitcoin. So it, it is currently all cryptocurrency. It's Bitcoins. It is not something that, you know, I can't go down and buy a coffee or pay my rent with it yet. Um, but in we're we're looking in a. a you know, a couple things in the world. One is that cryptocurrency is is becoming huge at practically an exponential rate, and and that might bring us to the point where you can pay rent in it. And more importantly, we have people like Joe Biden who are doing their damnedest to completely crash the U.S. dollar, and that will also make crypto <laughs> more valuable. Yeah. So this is my concern about crypto. It's it's the least stable thing. Even though we are printing money faster than printers can print money because we're just yeah. making it magically appear digitally. But even with that, it's our financial system is still much, much more stable yeah. than cryptocurrency. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that that's a good, uh, I, I wouldn't want to get involved in an app where I'm relying on the value of fucking Bitcoin on whether or oh, not yeah. I'm making money. Yeah, we, we also accept donations in Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, we haven't received a, a lot, but, you know, a, 
a, a few hundred dollars worth here or there. Uh, yeah. But the funny thing about the the Bitcoin donations in particular is that in between when somebody donates and when we mention it on the next show, the value of that donation when converted to dollars, because we're still we're still tracking and doing our accounting in dollars, the, sure. the value can change by 25 percent in between somebody donating and uh, us mentioning it on the show. And we we've had a conversation about, well, do we do we tell the, the price when they donated or do we tell the price two days later when we're on the show? Because that's a very different donation. Well, um, you should tell the price when you cash out is what you should do because yeah, well, that, that's that could also be a it. donation of zero at some point. So you got to be careful yeah. with that too. Yeah, we, we're we're always aware that it, that it might you know all it's really going to take is is one uh, a presidential order saying all cryptocurrency is banned or something and uh, you know things start turning the other direction. Uh, I will say though that the Federal Reserve is a terrible yardstick to measure stability against these yes. days. No, I, yeah. I totally agree with you. I'm not. Listen, I, I bought Ethereum about a year ago or something like that, and and some Litecoin, and you know, so I, I'm I'm all for it. I'm actually very pro crypto, and I, and I love what's happening with it. I I love with Bitcoin that it is finite. And uh, well, actually, there's only so many Bitcoin that can exist, which tells me it can actually have value, unlike uh, a made-up U.S. dollar. So, uh, I, if that is the future, I'm, I'm all for it. I think that's uh, that's great. It's just right now, it's ridiculous. And you know, what's Adam Curry predicting? It's going to go up to like four hundred thousand dollars of a Bitcoin or something like that. It's, it's uh, I say I, I don't recall exactly. I think. Uh, I remember hearing somebody, it might have been Curry, uh, actually it might have been Sir Gene, saying uh, they were going to get out at a million. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. sounds good, man. I'm, yeah. I'm with them. Let's do it. <laughs> I, okay, you know, let's do that. Um, let's see. Uh, also on my list, I have targeted ads, creepy or merely invasive? Yeah, targeted ads. This This is a really interesting thing because I'm dealing with they're changing the rules behind the scenes. And if, if you ever set up Facebook ads, you probably don't have experience in Facebook's advertising I, I platform? I don't. I don't. So I'm going to have to rely on you, who I, I suspect have a lot more experience than most of our listeners do. So they're actually making it more difficult for marketers to target people. And I don't know why. I don't know who's complaining about this. But one of the re one of the things we used to be able to target on was household income. This is a very common targeting parameter wow. for marketers. You know, you want That's to say, invasive. okay, I need household income 100,000 plus. Well, Facebook used to give us that. They don't anymore. Now what they do is they allow us to target zip codes where the average household income is either high, medium, or low. Oh, ooh. isn't isn't that racist? Isn't that like disadvantaged communities I keep hearing about? And well, know. if you if you are advertising a uh, housing, if you are advertising apartments, you cannot use that type of targeting because yes, that wow, okay. actually yeah. Actually, it's a lot. Well, I mean, like, like if, if you're selling a, say, ammunition and you can target, I want, uh, you know, uh, zip codes in the south side of Chicago. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can do that. You can and, certainly and I do, do that. need, by the way, as an aside, I need to apologize. Uh, without Darren here, we actually don't know how many people were shot in Chicago this weekend. We will get that report on Wednesday. Usually Darren does it every Monday. And uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks, it's been in the 40 people per weekend number 
So wait, have there been a lot of marches around that? A lot of protests? That sounds that sounds terrible. No, it, it turns out that uh, you're not going to find the statistics on any mainstream media because of the vast majority of this is black people being killed by other black people. And that doesn't fit the, the media narrative correctly. Whenever now, I'm looking for information about things like that, I, I can't use Google for it anymore. So I've no. been using DuckDuckGo. What do you use? Uh, I use DuckDuckGo for most things. Um, okay. For for a couple of things, I'll use Bing. Um, I actually find that Bing's news search is pretty good at covering. Uh, you know, if it's Bing's news search has a lot of blogs that you just don't find in Google, so I'll, I'll use that one. Um, I, I don't use Google at all. <laughs> from the people, I, from the people who brought you MSNBC. Let's use their search engine to find real news. Good idea, Sir Bowers. Well, I like it. Well, here's the here's the, the reason for this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I I know this because I spent 15 years at Microsoft. I understand how their culture is. First of all, their divisions don't talk to each other. Uh, okay. it, it, at best, at best, they'll sit across a conference table and chuck spears. They really like there is no communication between divisions. And more impo- importantly, Microsoft has an excellent culture of incompetence, and so. Whereas Google is is dedicating hundreds of programmers and probably uh, a thousand psychologists to tuning the algorithm to correctly manipulate you to the right mindset, Microsoft just isn't capable of of that level of subtlety. What Microsoft is really good at is is technical problems like this stuff is on the internet. Let's show it. And the psychological stuff I've never seen evidence. I mean, look at Windows. They're absolutely terrible at at trying to manipulate you through UI. It, it, everything they do is heavy handed. So if if Bing ever starts filtering my results and trying to uh, it, you, you're going to be able to see it because it's going to be heavy handed. I, I, I trust in Microsoft's incompetence. You know what? I have a Microsoft bias and you just saw it show through. And thank you for correcting me on that. No, I, I, I mean, you know what I mean, though? There are certain companies yeah. that I just don't fucking trust anything they do. But you're right. These giant corporations is fucking they don't. I've, I've worked for Gannett. My, uh, my family all worked at Kodak growing up here in Rochester. And yeah, these companies are so dysfunctional. There's, they, they can't actually all work together on anything. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so where I, you know, I, how do you how do you find things? Uh Okay, uh, here's another another tip that that I've got. Uh, where do I get the vast majority of my stories? Um, this might not be right, and it's probably coloring what I get, but I guarantee I can find plenty of outrage by following the local feed on noagendasocial.com. Yeah, uh, because Mastodon is at least the Mastodons that we use. You're you're on on PayPig, if I recall, which yeah, is, uh, is Dick Dick Masterson's Mastodon. Correct. Uh, the, the, all of the Mastodon instances out there have have kind of broadly, uh, you know, divided themselves into either woke or freedom of speech, and I, I it, it's obviously going to be more subtle than that. But uh, the freedom of speech ones, it is, it, it is so much more useful to get information from a feed. Now, it convenience wise, it's terrible because you have to sit there and, and there are thousands of messages a day. You could, I could sit here and spend four hours just going through the whole feed a day. But if you just kind of scan it and and keep your eye out for, okay, here's a link to something. um, That's where you're going to get news that hasn't been filtered through an algo. 
Okay, so let's talk about this real quick because actually uh, I reached out to you about getting set up on uh, the No Agenda Mastodon because they're capping in at 10,000 people. Now, I had already created an instance with Dick Masterson's uh, paypig.org, and I was hoping that I could just have that same feed that you have, your local feed, and I can't. I have to have a separate login to be on that server in order to get that same feed. And I find that to be annoying and uh, inconvenient. Uh, so I do know that there is a way to do that. Uh, there is, uh, let's see, I'm looking. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm I describing don't, I don't this have, right. I'm probably, up, not using, I'm probably not using the right words no, or the there, right terms, there, but there is in fact, and, and I, I'm, I, I can get this to you after the show or somebody in the troll room might drop it if you really want the information or, you know, I can I can just get it to you. But I I am aware that Mastodon has uh, a an API where you you form the URL in a particular way and it shows you the local feed from another server. And it I, I haven't used it because most of what I want is at No Agenda Social. And I, you know, I was probably one of the first thousand people on the server, but uh, I. I I am aware that, uh, let's see. Yeah. Troll room is saying the only solution I heard was a specific client that did that. So maybe it's not part of the UI either way. Uh, if, if that isn't an option out there, uh, if, if it is, if it does work, go ahead and hit us up on, uh, either Serp Emrose at no agenda social, or, uh, is it Carl W A T P at paypig.org? Let me take a look at that. That's a good question. I'm not even but, sure. Okay. Well, um, if, if you hit me up, if, if you know how to do that, I, I am actually interested in learning because there are, yeah. there are a number of instances I want to follow. Not, not least of which I have a secondary account at podcastindex.social because I want to follow that. And, and I'd rather bring it all into one account. Uh, and, and obviously if, if a server is, is locked down that, so, uh, you make a good question and, and I'll tell you what, if the option is not out there, if, if there isn't an easy way to do that, that is called an opportunity for an app. <laughs> yes, it is. So yes, it is at Carl W A T P at paypig.org. And okay. uh, yeah, that that's the one thing that I think you, would you suggested should follow to me. me. Thank Sorry. you. I appreciate that. And I think you had suggested to me that uh, I could set up a, a separate account on Mastodon in order to get that. That just seemed like, ah, oh, I already have too much social fucking media going on. So <laughs> that did not you. seem like a good solution. I, um, I don't, I don't even have most social media and I have too much. So I understand. Speaking of social media, I brought another story here oh, from uh, from today's Wall Street Journal that I thought was interesting, something we could talk about. I'll read you the headline. Unless you were still talking about Are you still ranting about shit? I'm sorry. I just cut you I, off. I, I never stop ranting about shit. Bring your story. Okay. I was, I was trying to be a professional podcaster and segue. All right. State prosecutors warn against Facebook's plan to create Instagram for children. Officials warn that the planned version of the platform for under 13s could harm kids. Thank you, officials. I don't say that yeah, very often. Which, which officials are these? Attorneys Cause, cause general. Listen to this. Attorneys general. They're not going to keep their job very for very long. I, <laughs> I know they're not on the right. They're not on the right side. Attorneys general from forty-four states and territories urge Facebook to abandon plans to launch a version of Instagram for children, citing behavioral and privacy concerns about the social social media's effects on young people. Yes, oh, yeah. social media is bad for you. It is bad uh, yeah. for you. Uh, I mean, do okay, not give it to children. Let, let's let's tell you. I, I want to hear the social media is bad for you because I've definitely got strong opinions on that. But let's start with just the technical side of things. Um, 
uh, in, in the United States, we have a law called COPPA, uh, Children Online Privacy Protection Act. And if you want to create a site that caters to people under 13, this only applies to people under 13, it is a legal minefield. Yeah. It, it is it, it is incredibly difficult. The requirements are, and, and more importantly, um, COPPA puts down restrictions that uh, if, if you paraphrase and apply them to Facebook, effectively make Facebook's entire business model illegal for people under 13. So I don't know what exactly they think they can do here. That That's interesting. So let's, let me read through this and then let's discuss it. In a letter to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg on Monday, the official said that the research has painted a grim picture of children's social media use, uh, referencing links to mental health problems and bullying. The letter adds bipartisan weight to pressure that Facebook has forced over its plan. Oh, what am I, what am I reading here? All right. The letter adds bipartisan weight to pressure that Facebook has faced over its plans to an under 13 Instagram version since March when Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, Spoke about the concept in a congressional hearing in April. Democratic lawmakers also sent Mr. Zuckerberg a letter criticizing the plan. A Facebook spokesman said Monday that the company will work with regulators and lawmakers as its plans for the Instagram children's version evolve. We agree that any experience we develop must prioritize children's safety and privacy, and we will consult the experts in child development, child safety, experts. and mental health. Yes. I'd like to know which list of experts that is. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Anytime you read the word experts, just be aware. Well, that, that's, uh, that's some court packing going on. Oh, that that's exactly why. Uh, in, and we, we got this from the, the mainstream media who would cite experts and just say mm -hmm. experts say that you need to stick a toothbrush up your nose every day or something like that. And they would not give names. They wouldn't even explain what an expert is or who this is. And uh, as a result here on Grumpy Old Ben's, you know, no agenda has their their producers and their uh, their uh, nights and the uh, the people who donate to that show um, here on Grumpy Old Ben's we have experts. I if Beautiful. you if you donate to Grumpy Old Ben's you are automatically an expert and that means you have at least as much credentials as the experts on MSNBC who say random stuff that can't be verified. No shit. Yeah. Or at like an expert witness, like expert witnesses in court. I mean, we, we know what this is, right? You get the yeah. people who agree with you to come on and we put the word expert in front of you. It's great. Exactly. But, so the word, the word expert has now been watered down so much that you can't really trust what the hell it means. So we thought, you know, we, why not add another definition to the pile? So here at Grumpy Old it. Ben's, we have our experts. <laughs> I love it. Become an expert at Grumpy Old Ben's. Yes. Um, yes. I'm going to read you the, the last uh, okay. paragraph here. This, I think this is interesting. I want to talk to you about it. The Facebook spokesman said the Instagram children's platform is still in early stages of planning. Uh, the head of Instagram told the Wall Street Journal last month that the children's platform would likely give parents tools to monitor children's activity rather than filter the content they can see. The company has also said the version would be free of advertisements. Well, I, so, uh, I hope so. Again, legal minefield. So, But this is what's really interesting to me because... Facebook's entire business model is selling advertising and they, they do very well at that. They are a extremely pro profitable company because of that. Yeah. You know, I have an, I have an Oculus, but that's not really what's paying the bills over there. So no. um, what's interesting here is when I see that and I say, okay, so there's no revenue stream. They're putting all this time and resources into this controversial thing. What's in it for them? And I have an idea, but I'll, I'll ask you first. Well, I did. You, you just, I, 
I'm, I'm going to have to throw it to you for what's in it for them, because I really don't know. My, you were reading this article and, and my question running through my head the whole time was, uh, you know, Facebook, Facebook provides a, a service to people of here. Here's a way to uh, a board and some a technical place to post your thoughts and get them to other people. And that's what everybody gets on for, because that's that's the value proposition they're handing to people. But that's the only part of it that would even pass legal muster when it comes to children under 13 because uh, you know facebook's entire model is we collect data on you illegal for kids we send targeted ads to you illegal for kids we i don't know what is the upside for facebook all right other I'll than getting a, them hooked i want that I, I was gonna say i'll give you a clue joe camel uh okay it's, it's, it's no different than first when one's these- free Cigarette companies use cartoons to promote their products. They want to get kids addicted early. They will become lifelong customers and they want, all right, this is what social media is. It's Instagram. There's no other social media. It's just Instagram. So that when you're seven, it's Instagram. And then when you're 28, it's Instagram. When you're 52, it's Instagram. But I mean, five years ago, it was Facebook, 10 years ago, it was Facebook. And 10 years before that, it was MySpace. And before that, the internet was AOL. I mean, right. walled gardens oh, I come and go, but oh, I, I, no, it, I understand that. But whatever the next thing is, Facebook will buy, <laughs> so they'll still, oh, they'll still be that's, whatever. That's the problem with Facebook is they now have <laughs> yes. enough money that whatever whatever's coming up to replace. In fact, they did this with Instagram. They did it with WhatsApp. Yes. They're just they're just Correct. oh look something something dangerous to our business model. Let's just go buy them and make it part of us. And well, also so, didn't they they try to buy uh, what's what's the other company that's. Um, Hold on, it's I have the app. Let me look. Snapchat. They tried to buy Snapchat, and I think Snapchat wasn't having it, so they were like, "Fuck it, we'll just copy you then." And now Instagram is the same as Snapchat. Yes, yes. Well, uh, I mean, Instagram did. Facebook has more psychologists than than programmers. Right. <laughs> and uh, they're they're going to go and do whatever works. And uh, you know why? I say psychologists. Some of them might be marketing professionals, but either way. Uh, Facebook's business model is not the technical part of of generating websites. That is pretty much a solved problem. They don't need that many people to do that. The problems that Facebook is facing and the things that they're putting their effort into solving is how do we program and manipulate humans? And they've gotten right. very good at it. They certainly have. And I don't know if you realize this, but in 2016, Russia figured out that they could change an entire election with a hundred thousand dollars in advertising on Facebook. That's how powerful. I heard that. That's how powerful this platform is. A hundred thousand dollars in advertising changed an election in this country. So And they're gonna yeah. give that up for all the kids under thirteen. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So anyway, I thought I thought this was a really interesting story. And I'm I'm glad that you yeah, have that that COPPA uh knowledge because marketing to children, it's such a fucking minefield. I don't know why they'd want to even go down this road. They're gonna get a ton of shit for it. People well, I think you nailed to, it. Yeah, it's it, I, it's I, drug dealing. It's a it's the first yeah. one's free, and you know, yeah. as soon as your craving gets big enough, you can crawl back to us. And the moment you turn thirteen, we own you. And they even say in this article that Facebook's trying to say, I think I have the quote here. Uh, there are a myriad other and safer ways. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the response to it. They say in here that it's great for kids to to stay close with their friends. Do children need social media to stay close with their friends? I think the reason why Facebook took off is because 
when you are in high school or college, you see all of your friends every single day. And then when you leave, you don't see them anymore. And so when it was first adopted by college students, it was a way of keeping in touch with people either in between semesters or after they all graduate. Here are the friends that I knew in high school and college, and now I'm going to see them here. If you're a child, you see your friends every fucking day. You don't but need I, to keep in touch with them through social media. I, I think you're misunderstanding how social media has transformed human interaction. And, and it's understandable because I've heard you admit on your show that you're a boomer. And uh, <laughs> we we are old enough that when we started developing relationships and interactions with other people, uh, there there wasn't social media. There there was barely an Internet. In fact, I think the Internet is is older than me by less than a decade. Uh, and, you know, it, that it, the Web is not older than me. So to go make, make your calculations on that. Uh, but the the. <laughs> The thing is that uh, we grew up in a time where, you know, humans being social creatures, we do crave. We have a biological need to bind with other people, to bond with people, to get to know people, to build up our tribe. But what social media has allowed, especially with places where social media is allowed for young children who are still developing their brains, is... Social media is providing through this little tiny five inch phone screen, a proxy for all of those relationships that you no longer have to develop with other people physically around you in meat space. So uh, the argument of, you know, everybody that the kid knows is, uh, you know, is not online. Well, that's not true. When when you raise a kid on a phone like here, kid, you know, have some YouTube shut up already. When you raise a kid like that, the kid develops their personal connections as part of a growing brain with the the YouTube personalities, with other people on Instagram, with the the people who are sending them TikToks, with whatever app you're you're handing them to. They they see human beings and they biologically start bonding with the people online. So by the time we give people a chance to actually go out and you know choose who to interact with they're going to choose to interact with the people they know and the people they know are not nearby they're not they're they're not your neighbors most people can't pick their neighbors out of a, a police lineup they're the people that you know on social media all right and, and, i stand corrected you've brought up some very good points i want to first start off by saying okay. The reason why I admit to being a boomer is because for some reason, there are only two generations in the world, boomers and millennials. Yes. I happen to be a Gen Xer, which is something uh, that we do not discuss. <laughs> we do not discuss Gen Xers anymore. But anyway. No, nobody so discusses Gen there. Xers. Nobody <laughs> so, discusses Gen so Xers. It's, it's fantastic. It, it lets us fly under the radar. It does. I know. It's like, dude, we brought you grunge. Come on. Give us some credit over here. No. Anyway. Yeah, well, um, if we've done anything since then. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that was our, our sole accomplishment that we're like, okay, we're done now. We yeah. are a lazy group. Uh, so, yes, you, I forget that children are growing up very differently than how you and I probably grew up. And they're actually, they're interacting with their friends are probably on Discord and, and playing video games with a headset on. And they don't actually see each other, especially in the era of uh, lockdowns that you're right. Their friends are on the phone screen. Oh, and yeah. that does make perfect sense that they would uh, have their own social network now. Because lockdowns are, are accelerating. Anywhere. Lockdowns yep. are accelerating the melting of the human brain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. 
This is going to be hopefully thought-provoking. Does the internet make life better or worse overall? Yes. You got to pick one. Is it, yes. Would you, if you could choose, if you could go back <laughs> and say, Sir Memrose gets to decide whether or not the internet will exist in the future, and you are a good person who wants what's best for humanity and your friends and family, you get to make the choice. Do you turn it on or off? Better. I, I don't think there's any question. Uh, oh, okay. It, so you, you the, think that the internet's been helpful? Uh, the the prom the original promise of the internet was all human knowledge at your fingertips, and right. Uh, you know, if, if you want a, a fine example of how uh, in, in human life is better, information is at your fingertips. Um, I, I was outside. Uh, I, I live. You know, Western Washington is is all forested, and I live in the middle of freaking woods and i was out uh with the chainsaw chopping up some uh some brush and stuff out here and uh my chainsaw blade broke and um i needed to figure out how it, it jammed in such a way i needed to figure out i needed a schematic of of the chainsaw that i was using so that i could figure out what to do and how to how to fix this and how to get the you know the, get the thing out and do it safely and and I was able to go online to the dealership's website and find the man, the online manual in a PDF and immediately read everything I needed to know about this chainsaw. And more importantly, uh, I had links to where I could get a new, new chain. And I, it, it, when so I Remrose, was young, can I, can I say something? Yeah. That story did not need to be that fucking long. You're I'm right. able to find the information that I need. Yes, I know. I get it. Let me tell you something. I am a podcaster as by trade now. That's my profession. I still do digital marketing work. Everything I do is on the internet, and I'm questioning whether or not it's a good thing for civilization. All right, okay, so well, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I know why the internet's amazing for, for all, all the things stories, that you're talking about. Stories that are too long is one thing that we do here. I know. Uh, it's why our <laughs> podcast is way too long. Um, and it, it's one of the reasons why it, it, you know, it's one of many, many reasons why I've never submitted grumpy old Ben's for review on your show. I, I just, <laughs> I just love that you're, you want to tell me about finding a PDF and you had to explain every fucking detail. It was 50 degrees out that day. It was going to rain yeah. later. I really <laughs> wanted to get out there before the rain started. Like whatever. <laughs> well, you, you might not have known that the cherry tree was in bloom at that moment. <laughs> I didn't know. It's fine. I know, and and, and it, this was important information that was relevant to the story. We we understand it. So, Sir Bemrose, uh, Sir Bemrose, hold on, hold on. Who fucking cares? <laughs> All right, thank you, okay. thank you, body. Well, in that case, to answer your question, I genuinely think that the the promise of the internet has been eighty five percent fulfilled, which is is all of human knowledge at your fingertips. You can find a PDF if you want to know how. To do something, how to craft something, it's out there. There's YouTube videos that is two clicks away, and one web, you know, one search on the YouTube site, and you know how it's. We are as close as we're ever going to be to the scene in the Matrix where they stick a giant needle in the back of the guy's head. He he convulses for a bit and then says, "I know kung fu," because we have information on tap, and uh, it. it Feels so okay, normal okay to hold today. on, hold on, hold on. It's funny that you bring up the Matrix when explaining <laughs> the internet is a good thing. Do you yeah, see yeah, where this is headed? Come on. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. 
That's hilarious. We have authoritarianism. Authoritarianism is taking over our country as we speak. Canada's fucking lost. Bye, Canada. Sorry. See ya. And uh, here we are discussing whether or not the internet should exist. Oh, it's great. No, it's the best thing ever. It's really working out. No, it's the Matrix. You, you, okay. In my defense, you did not ask me, do I think everything about the internet is good? I would not be doing this show if I thought. You asked me if I thought it was a net positive. And I think- that Correct. humanity is better off with it than without. Uh, I think that there are a lot of pitfalls. Not if the Matrix happens. That's the fucking point. <laughs> if if we know that that's what we're going to get to, then we should shut it down now, right? Am I well, crazy? you obviously didn't get to the end of the movie where Neo turned into Jesus and saved everybody, and and therefore <laughs> all of the people in rags, all the steampunk city in rags was completely destroyed. But at least they were free. I mean, you know, that's uh, it's still pretty crappy. I never saw Matrix 2 or Matrix 3 because nobody did. But I yeah. think it's okay, funny well. that the movie ends with this like, okay, we fixed it. And just like Star Wars, it's like that we defeated the Empire. And then episode seven, there's an even worse Empire. Like, well, what the fuck? What was the point <laughs> of all that shit then? It all just comes back? What are we doing? Well, the real world's like that too. <laughs> I know. I know. For, for example... You know, last November, we defeated the evil orange man by, uh, you know, by hook or by crook, managing to put enough voter fraud in to install the guy who who may not know what his name is half the time, but at least isn't orange. And now we've got the huge specter of racism to fix. There's That's always true. another. There's always a problem. Yeah, there's always uh, another problem. And the troll room is telling me that there's a Matrix 4. That is a damn oh, crime. They, they want to know what the, the plot is. I'll tell you what the plot is for Matrix 4. It's the same as Matrix 1, but it's a woman who saves the day. All right. Oh, that's what all these <laughs> yeah. fucking, that's what all yes. these sequels are. Oh, of course Just it is. a girl. And uh, the, the question is, which non-white race do you think the woman is going to be? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's actually going to be Queen Latifah is going to save the day in Matrix 4, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I hope Queen Latifah doesn't start singing. <laughs> that, that's your, that's your biggest concern about her starring in Matrix Four. She might start uh, singing. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to watch it, so it doesn't really matter to me. I, I love uh, to see her try to dodge a bullet, except for she's too fat and it hits her anyway. <laughs> I, just, I just no, she like do the the, the duck backward and it'd ping off her boob and go off somewhere else. <laughs> Why is it so funny to be thinking of Queen Latifah getting shot to death? Why is that hilarious? I don't know. Because you're a horrible person. Join the club. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you hear about uh, the, you, as long as we're talking about Facebook campaigns, did you hear about this one from Signal? That uh, It's not clear if this one actually went through or not. There, there are conflicting stories. But um, Signal put out a campaign uh, on Instagram that uh, they, they were going to buy targeted ads at, that show. And, you know, this is Signal, who is a competitor uh, so, you know, social media and, and they they sell themselves on on privacy, protecting your privacy, trying not to get. And um, they bought ads like uh, here, here was a, a, a targeted ad said, you got this ad because you're a K-pop loving chemical engineer. This ad used your location to see you're in Berlin and you have a baby and just moved. And you're really feeling those pregnancy exercises lately. Or another one says. You got this ad because you're a GP with a master's in art history. Also divorced, this ad used your location to see you're in London. Your online activity shows you've been getting into boxing and that you're pro- probably getting there on your new motorcycle. Um, I did see I did see this article, uh, or I did hear about this, and I think it's... So Facebook banned it, right? 
They're not allowing so, them to okay, do it. So this is this is where the story diverges. Signal swears that they attempted to submit the campaign and that Facebook disabled their account before the campaign went out. Facebook says that they just forgot to click the submit button. And uh, so you know, Facebook says <laughs> that's funny. Facebook says this is a stunt by Signal, which I totally believe. It could be uh, who, yeah. never, who never tried to run the ads. Facebook also says if Signal had tried to run the ads, a couple of them would have been rejected because our advertising policies prohibit ads that assert you have a specific medical condition or sexual Correct. orientation. That's but of true. course, running the ads was never their goal. It was all about getting publicity. That part I believe too. I yeah, don't I, know I, if they I actually tried to run it. I do believe Facebook on this one because here's the crazy thing to me. Who would be appalled by that? You've given this information to a website. You've told them what your age is and that you're married and that here's your parents and this is your son and this is what he looks like. And then they're like, hey, you got this ad because we know that you're married and you drive a motorcycle. Like, who would people be like, what? How did they find this out? Like, Dummy, you told them. What do you mean? Yeah. Why, who, who's surprised? And, and you've had two people out on the internet. Uh, you have had people like me screaming at the top of my lungs for five, ten years saying, stop giving so much data to these online platforms. Well, you didn't listen to me. You gave your data to the online platforms. It should not be a surprise to anyone that nah, that information is being used. And not for nothing, and I definitely, you know, I have a bias in this too because I've been in digital marketing for so long. The advertisers are not the enemy here. I, I love how people are like, oh my gosh, they're sharing this with the advertisers. I don't like that Facebook has this information. No, Facebook they're in cahoots with the fucking CIA. They fucking have office. They share office space, for Christ's sake. Are you kidding me? The shit where they're just like, oh my gosh, did you know that Amazon sells your... Uh, purchase history to advertisers i'm not concerned about that i don't care if an advertiser knows that i enjoy their product or a competitor's product that they, they can't hurt me with that information amazon can certainly fucking hurt me with that with the information they have because they're fucking buddies with the irs so that's more of a problem for me you just haven't been canceled enough lately <laughs> am i saying things i shouldn't say <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> um uh. Let's see. The only other thing I had on here, did you want to talk about your lawsuit at all? Because that part, it does fascinate me a bit, but I don't know if, if you're in a position where you want to talk about that on someone else's podcast. All I want to do is talk about that. That's all I want to talk about. Thank you for bringing this up. So I'll give a quick background around this. Okay. Stuttering John Melendez from the Howard Stern show, and he was also the announcer on the Tonight Show, now has a, what he calls a podcast, and it's a YouTube uh, slash podcast thing that he does. And on Who Are These Podcasts, my my main show, what we do is we critique people's podcasts. We play clips. It's actually a lot of the inspiration came from No Agenda. I, I love that they they pull the clip, you get to listen to it, and then they analyze it. We do a similar thing. We, we listen to podcasts. You know, it's it's a comedy show. We, we treat it like a roast, but we pull a clip, and then we make fun of it, and, and we kind of analyze the show, what's good, what's bad, mostly what's bad. And yeah. so and, we, and, and we this, poked... this episode will probably be on in a couple weeks. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make fun of myself. I'll pick, uh, I'll pick something else. <laughs> no, so, no, but you can, yeah, you can pick out my parts. I'm <laughs> sure will be enough. So I, um, I, I did a show about stuttering John's show and he was really easy to goof on. The guy just sucks and he didn't take it well. So because of that, we started piling on and we talk about him a lot. Well, recently, I made an accusation that he was fired when he used to work on the show called the Stephanie Miller show. 
and nobody who's listening to this will know who that is. It's a uh, extremely left leaning political show that stuttering John did a very short stint at I think four months or yeah. something. He lasted. Can, can can I admit something? Yeah, I don't think I'd ever heard the word stuttering John until I started listening to your show. So that, oh, okay. that is the reach that you have. Well, you're a West Coast guy, uh, uh, Northwest, so that makes sense because Howard Stern probably wouldn't have made it all the way up to uh, where you are. But in most major markets in the U.S., uh, Howard Stern was a pretty big deal. Anyway, whatever. I know I get a lot of shit for talking about old 90s and aughts radio too much because I was a big fan when I was growing up. Uh, so uh, what happened was I said that he got fired when actually he quit. So he then went on his show and said, all right, Carl, I fucking got you now. That was libel and slander, and there's a defamation lawsuit coming your way. Does he know the difference between libel and slander, that they're not actually the same thing? He keeps saying it over and over again. It was both libel and slander. I didn't write it down. I just said it, (laughs) and it was a joke. It was a joke, but whatever. You know, if if you used Podcast 2.0 transcripts, then it could be libel and slander. Yeah, good thing I don't. If you had a transcript (laughs) of your show. Good thing I don't use that, huh? Jesus. Be twice the lawsuit. So, long story short, he has gone on multiple shows threatening a lawsuit, telling me that it's coming down the pike. He's writing up the paperwork with his attorney. He's paid the attorney his retainer. He's going to sue me. I am inviting this in every way possible. I'm goading him. I want this to happen. It would be nothing but publicity and fun and fodder and content for the show. I don't think he'll go through with it for one very specific reason, Sir Bremer. Lawyers guess cost money? Well, no. I mean, that is a great reason. But, you know, he, he does but have he, people he, watch his show and donate. He, he doesn't have any grounds for a lawsuit? Correct! He could not possibly win this lawsuit because he would have to prove damages. He would have to prove that he didn't get hired for a job because the employer heard me say he was fired from Stephanie Miller for drinking too much, which would be impossible to do. So that that is why I, I would uh, I, I I'm actually inviting the the lawsuit. I hope he does it. I, I mean, you you can take my statement earlier uh, that that I'd never heard of stuttering John without your show as evidence that by talking about him on your show, you are actually providing him more publicity than he would have got otherwise and in fact you should be sending him an invoice i'm keeping him relevant for christ's sake half the people watching his show are are watching him because they know i'm going to make fun of it on sunday and they want to see what i'm going to make fun of so yes i know he he fucking should be paying me right now i yeah i don't get it i i i have heard the phrase actually here's here's something you might be able to help me out with i have heard the phrase a lawsuit bandied about and I don't exactly know what that is because I think it has to do with yet another ex radio guy that I was never introduced to here on the left coast. Not quite. Okay. Here's the, uh, the reason why we use the term lol suit, LOL suit, uh, the laugh out loud suit is because there was a podcast called the biggest problem in the universe. And it was hosted by Dick Masterson and Maddox. And if you remember Maddox, he had this website called the greatest page in the universe or something like that and he just, it was a blog site back in the early aughts you know be, before there was a lot of multimedia and stuff he yeah, would just back, write back these articles blog, you know back when blogs were the new podcast 
Well, yeah, I mean, back then there wasn't WordPress. You know, it was all hard-coded. You had to know HTML and CSS and stuff. So so not a lot of people had their own website back then. And, and Maddox had a very funny site. He had very funny articles, and they would spread virally, and he got very popular. So him and this guy, Dick Masterson, start doing a podcast together. And uh, it doesn't end well because Dick starts dating Maddox's ex-girlfriend, and Maddox <laughs> gets all – I'm not even making this up. Maddox gets all no, buttered no. about that. No, I – Kicks I, him I, off. I, I, Having seen Dick, though, I mean, I understand. I get it. Uh, it, That is what we refer to as a dick move. Yes. I mean, it was his ex-girlfriend, whatever. They hadn't been dating for three years, and he had another current girlfriend. But bro code. I suppose. I don't know, man. That my the singer in uh, one of the bands that I play in is engaged to my ex girlfriend, so I, I don't fucking care. It's, I'm I'm married. I'm happy. It doesn't matter. Anyway, Matt yeah, does well, not take your, this well. Oh yeah. Go go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna point out that once once you, there, it's beautiful how much once you're married, you don't have to care about a lot of these weird relationship things anymore. It is so yeah. liberating. It is. It really is. I don't know if I had to start fucking dating again and shit. Uh, so I'd be oh, so annoyed. This has not such been a, a good waste year for dating. Yeah. Oh, I, no. And it's such a fucking waste of fucking time. I just, thank God, I have too many hobbies. So uh, anyway, uh, so Maddox got very upset, and then he got Dick kicked out of all the things that he was doing in L.A. because he was part of an improv group, and he was on the comedy scene, and Maddox put out this, this video saying that all these crazy things, that Dick's a rape apologist and all this shit that's just not true, and it got all of the very woke comedians in that scene, and they're all very woke, uh, turned on Dick Masterson. So Dick, who, by the way, was just going to turn the other cheek and just like start up his own show and do his own thing, after that happened, he goes, well, fuck you, and started blasting Maddox every chance he got and got all of the fans, because Dick is the better podcaster and the funnier person, so he got most of the fans to side with him. And so what Maddox decided to do was to sue not just Dick Masterson, but Dick Masterson, Patreon, guys who were guests on Dick's show, and every single there, there was like nineteen. What the hell different, do they have to do with it? I know. And there were like there were like nineteen different defendants in this lawsuit, and each one was being sued for twenty million dollars. So it was this outrageous lawsuit that cost everyone all this money because they had to defend themselves. It ended up getting thrown out of court pretty quickly. But this is what is known as the lull suit because it was such a stupid lawsuit. There was no fucking way he had any case, and he still went through with it. It cost himself, Maddox I'm talking about, tons of money and resources and his reputation, and it was a terrible idea. And I feel the same way about Cedric John, which is why I'm saying, all right, if he does sue me, this is going to be lull suit 2.0, and uh, I do look forward to that. I, you know, for, for John's sake, I hope he has somebody near him who is willing to whisper in his ear that, that you, you have no chance at this and please don't, you know, for, for the love of God, don't do this to yourself. And it, it, lawyers are not cheap, especially New York lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for, for your sake, actually, I really want to see it go through because I would be entertained to no end and I'm not even yeah. involved. I know. But, but I, it, I, I don't, I don't condone the the fruitless handing of lawyer, handing money to lawyers just because you're butt hurt about things. I, 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 lawyers are already a little too powerful in this country. They don't need to be handed. You know, here, here's a whole bunch of money for a suit that you know damn well isn't going to go anywhere. I fortunately have attorneys in my family, so 
Um, I will not be handing a lot of money over to attorneys. John will. So again, it's just more reason why I'm like, bring it on, motherfucker. This I could defend myself and win this case. It's so fucking nice. Just, just go, uh, cause he's suing Sirius XM. John is actively suing Sirius XM right now. And I've been he, following this pretty he, closely. This isn't his only lawsuit. What, what? <laughs> well, it, I mean, this lawsuit isn't even a real lawsuit. He hasn't actually served me. He's just threatened it. And usually when you threaten a lawsuit, yeah. it means you're not suing because he would just do it. No, if, if you're serious, <laughs> then then your first clue should be that you the, the summons appears at your door. Right. That's how you know. And he keeps telling me he knows where I live. So he's got my address. Like, fucking, all right. I'm, I check the mailbox well, every day, like a fucking uh, eight-year-old on Christmas morning. Like, ah, where's my lawsuit? It's not there. Damn I, I know I know where you live, too. You always admit you live in Rochester. I mean, how big can well, the city be? <laughs> how big can it be? Yeah. Just throw a couple of dresses. Chances are you'll find me. So uh, what was I, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't. I lost my train of thought now. What, what, what was the question? Uh, I, I, I was just asking about, about the lawsuit in general. Uh, it, it sounds fascinating. Um, you, you were telling me that, uh, John does not have a chance and, uh, you gave some backgrounder on this person named Maddox. Oh, who- the Sirius XM. That's what I'm talking about. Sirius XM oh, lawsuit. Okay. So John is suing Sirius XM. This is an insane thing because he's okay, claiming. Yeah, what is that about? All right. So on, on Sirius station one zero one, Howard one Oh one. They have, they own the entire catalog of the Howard Stern show going back to his time on uh, NBC radio and K-Rock in uh, New York City. And they play old episodes of Howard Stern. You can tune in anytime, day or night, and they're playing old episodes. Well, Stuttering John was a character on that show, and they're playing Stuttering John's bits on Sirius XM. So John, who does not own any of this, is suing them for subscriptions and advertisement advertising money that they're making uh apparently because he's the guy on the show what they cannot prove in this suit as well is damages this is the thing that they don't understand like this is actually keeping stuttering john famous to some degree is the fact that you can still hear what he did 20 years ago by tuning into Sirius XM when you get your, your new car and you have a six-month uh, trial, and, which I think is, everyone who listens to that, I think is just on a trial at this point, but I don't know. And, 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 and somehow, wait, so somehow being still played on Sirius XM is, is damaging him? How does that work? Well, that's what they can't prove. And that was the question that the attorneys came back with. And what I love about this is how the attorneys for Sirius combated this. They came back and they said, we have been playing you on Howard 101 since 2006. You brought this lawsuit in 2020. Why, for 14 years, did you do nothing about this? Doesn't that prove that there were no damages? Because if there were, he would have sued immediately. He had to wait for those sweet royalties to come in. It's, I, it's I, just... It's because he's broke. I, I, it's because he's flat broke yeah. now. He has no job and he's looking for a fucking payout. He's hoping that they'll just settle, which would be insane. We well, think about this. Think about how stupid this is. So he's hoping that they're just going to settle and just throw him some money so he'll go away. But if they did that, every single person who ever appeared on the Howard Stern show who's getting replayed would be like, where's my fucking money? Because none of them are getting any of the money. Oh, it's only going to Howard Stern. He's getting all of the money. So it's, it's just an insane so, thought. So, um, so you're fired. saying... Settling not the best financial decision. It'd be a terrible decision. I mean, there's no. First of all, what 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 would you be making if? uh, Okay, 
first of all, we know that the the publicity that John is getting from his voice being continually played on the radio, even if it is just just, you know, the Sirius XM. I don't know what I don't know what kind of share they have, but I know that uh, classic radio has been declining compared to social media, YouTube, et cetera. But um, so it, it sounds like the biggest benefit he's getting is it is he getting royalties for for these plays is uh, I, I'm just trying to figure out like obviously they're you know for you it's the the reputation problem but for him it sounds like it's it's about money but if if he was is he not getting royalties for this is he is is the I mean how, how is he claiming to be damaged I guess he's not getting royalties I mean, okay that's something you have to work that into your contract you get paid for the time you're on the show this isn't like uh music publishing when you're on a radio show you got paid for your performance at the time and you don't own it and now yeah. that radio show who knows you know the don and mike show from 1997 uh it turns out it was the the greatest show that ever existed and somebody puts it up online and now millions of new people are listening to it don and mike aren't gonna get any money for that they don't fucking own it so all he's getting, he's getting publicity yes. and he's, I, which I mean, first of all, given that uh, the, as far as I can tell his, his chosen vocation is still as a, a personality, then, then the exposure is still worth it. That's still worth a lot of, uh, to somebody who, whose, whose job is, is still to be a radio personality. Uh, I mean, if he was a construction worker, maybe I don't care, but I, it, okay. You know what? I, I think I'm 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 working myself into the conclusion that you've already stated a couple times, which is that this is utterly ridiculous, and that's probably why you keep making fun of the guy. Yeah, and th- that is a good point that you bring up because John is saying in this lawsuit that his celebrity has only increased since he was on the Howard Stern show, and SiriusXM is taking advantage of that because now the Stern John is such a big. By the way, you've never heard of him, but you know he's, he's such a yeah. big famous person. That, well, I mean, uh, I, I figured he was so big and famous, but he must be getting royalties, too. No, he's not, but he's broke, <laughs> which is funny. But so anyway, so they're saying that he's so famous, and SiriusXM knows that, and that's why they're playing these tapes to take advantage of his fame and notoriety. And then at the same time, he wants to have this other suit that's a suit for defamation, which, when you are a famous person, is one of the hardest things to win. It, I mean, look at what happened with... Um, uh, what's his name? The fucking um, Johnny Depp defamation suit. He sued. He didn't win the suit, and she went out and was talking about how he beat her and all this crazy shit. It's like it's when you're fucking famous, I, man. It's tough. Yeah, there the the law. If I recall, and and you might know better than this, but if I recall, the the law is written in such a way that that defamation is not that difficult to prove if you're a nobody, but if you can reach some arbitrary threshold of fame then it, the 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 level of requirements to prove in a lawsuit goes up immensely you're a public figure and people are allowed oh, what- to speculate about public figures and talk about them and they're allowed to be wrong with their opinions about public figures what it comes down to is what was their malice intent so if i go on my show and i say stuttering john is a boob who sucks at his job and no one should hire him and that was my goal was to make sure he doesn't get a job in the future. So that would be like, well, he's obviously doesn't want him to work anymore. 
I, on the other hand, want John to work because he's great fodder and content for my show. I would never want him to not get a job opportunity because the more he's out there, the more money I make. So proving the, the intent uh, is is going to be very difficult on this one. That That is a great point. It, it, yeah. it is John doing well is nothing but good for you because you have have made a side business of tearing him down. And I do really appreciate, by the way, that even though you won't say that on his show, you came on my show and said it. Say that on whose show? Oh, I did the, the, the nothing. I just you you said, well, if I said that John is a total boob, and oh. I'm like, oh, so you're you're saying it on yeah. my show then? Correct. Yes, that's that's where I'm okay. saying it. So you brought up earlier. I don't. This might have been before we started the show. Uh, yes. But you brought up that you're tired of Patrick Michael. Is oh. this true, or were you just busting my balls? Yes. It is true. You are I, tired of it. I, well, no. Okay. I don't find him nearly as hold fascinating. On, hold on a second. Hold on. I got I to gotta stop you right there. I go, is that true or are you busting my balls? And you said, yes. I, it, it can be both. <laughs> You're yeah. the worst. <laughs> because the second time be you've done this to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because you keep offering me either or, and I'm like, well, both of them are true to an extent. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, just to let people know no, who don't know uh, what I'm talking about. Patrick oh, Michael yeah, yeah. is a, the most prolific podcaster in the history of podcasting. He has more podcasts than anyone else, probably by threefold. He's he's done just you know close to a hundred different podcast shows, uh, you know different titles, different shows. And I, so, I think I think he's done ahead. even more than Darren O'Neill. He definitely has. Uh, it's it's physically impossible to do as many podcasts as this guy does, and so he is constant fodder for us. He's te- well, he's also terrible at it, which is great. He's got a million podcasts and he's the worst at it. So uh, we we bring him up quite a bit, not as much lately, but uh, this past episode we just did was a Patrick Michael podcast uh, that we were talking about. So go ahead, you were saying you're getting kind of uh, bored with him. Oh, I didn't have much to say with it. It just I I I don't think that I derived as much about uh, a. a tremendously pathetic human being trying to go out and do something that I, well, okay. I don't know this for sure, but he, he appears to like, he, he better like it considering how much he does. So if you've got somebody going out who is a, a, a pathetic individual who is clearly, you know, the biggest loser in life, or at least, you know, the, the side that you've shown of him and going out and being like, I really enjoy doing podcasts and then you pick this up and are just merciless <laughs> he's endlessly fascinating and i know that you say that and i understand i do poke fun of the guy but i also have brought him tons of listeners the only reason why he's talking to anyone at all is because of me i'm not you know just tooting my own horn this is just these are just facts here and he has a legitimate following now because we've covered him so many times and i think he's kind of grateful for that because he does bring me up if, if he, you know, Opie is another guy I talk about Opie from the Opie and Anthony show. Opie's smart. He's never acknowledged my existence. He never says my name. He doesn't even pretend yeah. to care, which is the way that you would handle that. But Patrick Michael is uh, constantly going on shows and saying, fuck you, Carl, and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, well, he obviously wants me to keep talking about him or he wouldn't be talking about me. Uh, far far be it from me to to judge your show i mean you know I, I, anybody who listens to this show knows that i don't judge and uh <laughs> more importantly you're you're far more successful as a podcaster than i am so obviously you're doing something right i'm just i feel like uh with with the the stuttering john and the patrick michael and the opie you're you're going back to the well really often and when when i tune in to WATP, it's 
it's for the shows like uh, uh, Maps IRL, the the shows that are the <laughs> yeah. you know the child molesters, the shows that are the flat earthers, the shows that are the 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 wokest, the shows like uh, like the one that you did with Darren O'Neill, who by the way you totally screwed him by bringing crows on. No, nobody can can survive in the the shining bright light that is crows. Um, oh, big crows fan. All right, cool. Oh, I, I am. And and Darren came to me afterward. He's like, I pulled a ton of clips and Crows brought every one of them before I did. Oh, it sucks. I'm sorry to hear so, that. Um, but uh, I, I just I, I the, the but the software agents podcast that you did after that, I mean, those are the reason that I listen to your show. Um, well, that was with John uh, C. De- we had John C. Dvorak on the show. And uh, that was that was excellent. Um, yeah, well, John, John's the one who recommended the, the software agents. That's right. Um, that's right. That was the one he recommended, but he was, he came on our show. He is so obsessed with Sophia with an F that wasn't even I, the show we were doing. And he had to bring clips of Sophia with an F. He loves her. Oh, I know. I know. And he's bringing that to no agenda. I, I don't know. You know what? I'm, I, I, my bark is, is a lot louder than my bite. And, uh, you know, when I say, oh, I'm a little tired of it. It's just that, uh, I like finding new things to make fun of. That's all. And, yeah, you're allowed uh, to have an opinion. I'm, I'm not yeah. arguing with you. I'm asking. You're, you. you're obviously you're you're making a lot of success with uh, it, with you know hammering down nails on the same people over and over again, and and I wish you luck with that. Um, well, oh, let me just just say this yeah. piece before it passes us by. So I I understand what you're saying, and I f- sometimes feel the same way. It's like, what are we going to do? We're talking about you know Suttering John and Patrick Michael and Opie and. Uh, you know, Tom Myers. We're talking about these guys every single week. You know, it's, it's going to okay. get redundant. Tom Myers is legitimately fun to laugh at. Yeah, he is great. But, you know, it's going to get redundant. We keep doing that. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had Shuli on my show, Shuli from the Howard Stern show. And uh, we talked about comedy pot pie. And then we talked about this Anthony Jeselnik rivalry that he has with, uh, well, what's her name? Jones from uh, Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, fucking forgetting her name. Uh, then we talked about Reply All, which is that show that uh, took themselves off the internet because they're uh, everybody quit over how woke they are. Uh, we talked about the New York Post article that was a hit piece on Howard Stern, and all I got was feedback going, "What the fuck? We didn't talk about Senator Joe, we didn't talk about Patrick <laughs> Michael." Like, I'm trying to keep things fresh and interesting, and uh, well, you know, Dan, Dan, if you do, Dan, if you don't. I I, okay, yeah, I know you have been on the internet long enough to have learned this, but uh, with, with trolls, there is no winning. It is, it <laughs> no, is a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I, <laughs> I know. I, I mean, tried, even, no, man, I tried. Even, in your, even in your Discord, you're all winding up for a show, and you got people <laughs> like me who are just talking the worst trash. And, and you wisely just completely ignore it. But I know you're yeah. reading it, and I know it's, I'm trying to throw you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, are, okay. you are a prick in there. That's true. Uh, so we have been here an hour and 40 minutes, and I want to respect your time. So uh, I have a couple more articles about Amazon if you wanted to go that route. Uh, I wanted to ask if you had any more articles uh, for yourself, or uh, how, how do you want to do this? Let's hit Amazon. I, I forgot. I want to talk about that. Let's do it. Okay. Um, well, the, the three things that I have about Amazon, one is, uh, they real quick, they published the brand protection report on fake vendors. They are apparently finally starting to crack down on counterfeiters. Um, you know, they have a verification process, one-on-one video calls, physical interactions. They claim that doing these things has banned over 6 million seller applications, wow. which, uh, uh, they How also claim that only total, I don't know. They didn't mention that. They did say, Sounds however, like the only... 
only 6% make it through. Um, the okay. other thing they don't call out, by the way, is is which markets. I imagine that 6% is significantly higher in the U.S. and uh, significantly lower in in places that kind of have a, a, a culture of scamming, like, uh, you know, certain Asian places. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, they, <laughs> the, other, the other note came out of this was uh, that there are more than 5 billion attempted changes to product detail pages every day. Wow. That's... That, that that number blows my mind um and that they've introduced is that, is that bots though that's not people is it i don't know i don't know i mean to make an attempted change you have to at the very least you have to log into a seller's account right yeah that's interesting. so okay. I, i'm not sure and you know we've talked a, a number of times on this show about uh, uh sellers of, of various online wares where you you submit something and go through you know every every company has a very stringent process for initially getting into the store so you submit something uh like uh the the app store was the last one we talked about where you submit a flashlight app that does exactly what it says on the tin you push a button the light comes on you push another button the light goes off great and that gets into the store and then you submit two days later you submit an update to the app it says oh well we fixed a bug and fixing a bug means that it now is collecting all of your contacts data and sending it to the cloud and and those don't get reviewed and Amazon's kind of the same way is, is when you change, when you add a product, they have a lot of scrutiny and when you change the detail, not as much. Uh, the only other thing that came out of this that really caught my eye is that they have a, a, a new system called project zero, which is machine learning that brands can sign up for that uses AI to detect counterfeits. And the reason this caught my eye is that everybody knows that AI never gets anything wrong and that this will be perfect <laughs> and there won't be anything legitimately shut down. Will there? Well, what's the craziest part about all of this, and I know that counterfeiting is a huge problem with Amazon, is they're the worst about this. You know, they do they go about it a little bit of a different way, but they see what's selling and then they create the their own product. You know, they white label from someone else and then undercut and undersell, okay. you know, the, the price, you're, and then they're the ones making getting, all the money on it. You're getting way ahead of me here. Sorry. I'm, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on to the second story because you you just grabbed the crux of the third one. But yeah. uh, second story. Uh, there is a data breach by Safety Detectives, uh, an online uh, security firm. Um, the they found a unsecured Elasticsearch database that was just connected to the internet, and uh, I, people who put databases up should I, IT guys, dudes named Ben, need to remember to secure their stuff because uh, these guys found this database that contains seven gigabytes of data. They don't know who owns the database, but the server is in China. Um, the seven gigabytes of data contains direct messages between Amazon vendors and customers willing to provide fake reviews in exchange for products. Uh, the way this works is the vendor sends a reviewer a list of products that they want a five-star review on. People will then buy the products and leave a five-star review, and then the vendor gives them a refund through PayPal so that the Amazon system doesn't know that they sent the product back, and the review suddenly looks legit. Um, there was a ton of private messages in this. Uh, the leaked database contained vendor email addresses, WhatsApp, Telegram numbers, links to account profiles. Uh I, I don't think this was tied to Amazon in particular, but it's unclear what company is selling Amazon reviews. Um, but uh, this is uh, this is this database is, is going to we're, we're going to hear about uh, people getting getting shut down. And there's actually going to be I, I think there's going to be legal recourse from this one. This anyway, is awesome. uh, 
This is so, this is awesome. I I love when shit like this leaks because it really does uh, peel back the curtain a little bit, doesn't it? Let me ask you this, yeah. Sir Bemrose. Do you shop on Amazon? You probably don't. Uh, well, I make my wife do it. Okay. Because that way I can say, oh, I don't use those big corporations, but still get <laughs> good, the benefits. Good on you, except for when you admit that. So, oh, do shoot. you use do you use the reviews to help you determine whether or not you will purchase, or does your wife read the reviews? I I, I do actually. I do and, too. Uh, and I'm feeling a little taken in by this. I do too. And I'll tell you what, I think, and I'm probably wrong about this. I think I can spot fake reviews when people are gushing about these products and shit. It's like, it's detergent. Yeah. How fucking amazing can it be? Um, I do think that I can read through it, but yeah, I'm sure I've been fooled by this many times and it's definitely uh, changed my purchase behavior because of it. And and that was the same thing that scared me about this is it, it, it doesn't take that much to, to look through and you know, when, when I when I use reviews, I always read the reviews because the the aggr- first of all, the aggregate star stats are practically useless. Uh, but I always read the reviews and I'll read the first dozen one star reviews and the first dozen five star reviews, because that'll tell me, uh, you know, the, the five star reviews will tell me everything that's right about the product. And the uh, the one star reviews will tell me what's wrong about the product. And combining those two, I can start to make my own decision. But you can always filter through the five star reviews that are like great product and that's that's the whole <laughs> yeah or right yeah, yeah loved this thing you know especially the ones that never mention the product and never explain you know never give any indication that they used it like okay well that was botted but uh apparently um there there is a site somewhere that you can buy five-star reviews from from real people who are given money uh, to to give reviews and um, well, I am yeah. glad to say I will never be accused of buying five star reviews. If you go to who are these podcasts on the Apple Podcasts or wherever people leave reviews, we are one of the leaders in one star reviews for our podcast. Because well, so you piss off everybody. <laughs> we piss off a lot of people. Uh, I think that's interesting. I agree with you. I like to read the one star reviews more so than the five star reviews. I want to know what the fuck's wrong with this yeah. shit. And yeah. a lot of the one set reviews are things that it's not even the product's fault. These people are so fucking stupid. They're like, oh, oh yeah. I got here and it was all banged up. I'm like, well, that's FedEx's yeah. problem, not, not the, the supplier of this product. Yeah, I, I, I opened it out of the box and I stubbed my toe right afterward. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's shit in there just like, dude, maybe focus on some positive things in your life. Because leaving yeah. these reviews <laughs> seem like seem you got some bigger problems. I mean, the reason I, I read the one star reviews is because, you know, this is even true of the five star is the five star. Generally, if you're super happy with it, what you're going to get is is maybe a little bit more information than was in the product description already. But you got to treat the product description as a five star review right there, because if there's true. anybody who wants you to buy this product more, it's the one who wrote the description. The one star reviews is going to give you a lot of information that isn't going to be in the product description. Right. Right. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes there'll be a one, yeah, you know, there'll be one star reviews like, uh, you know, I, I opened it and the battery went dead immediately. I'm like, well, okay, maybe you got a bad battery, but, but that's useful information. And if there's a lot of them like that, it's a concern anyway. Also, may- so, maybe I'm being a big shot here, but I'm not making huge transactions. I'm not buying really big, expensive products on Amazon unless I've no. done a ton of research and I've, I've used it. I've talked to people who use it. I understand what I'm going to get. If I'm buying something that costs between $20 and $80 and it doesn't fucking work, then what, what the fuck ever gives oh, a oh, shit. Look, oh, look who's the rich, wealthy person talking <laughs> yeah. to the podcasters. I know. 
All right, hey, look here at me. on GOB, got... we're we're on podcaster salary. Twenty dollars is a lot. That's almost well, what a cup of coffee costs in Seattle. Sir Bemrose, I have white privilege. All right, so oh, I just have to put oh, that out why. there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm able to buy products okay. that suck and not give a fuck about it. So that, that's okay, where I'm so, at. So you 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 already spoiled it. So I'm just going to hit the third Amazon story that I got today which is uh, that Politico ha- claims that they have proof now that Amazon used seller data to boost sales. Yes, um, we knew that. What do you yeah. mean they have proof now? We've had the proof. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that was my thought reading. I'm like, why is this a political story now? Right. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, it, it, you, you might be able to describe what exactly they're doing better than I can. Yeah, so basically what they're doing is they're finding out the product's that sell really well. And they're using that data to determine what are going to be the Amazon brand products. Now this has been happening everywhere forever. Anytime you go to a supermarket, we have this thing called Wegmans up here in the Northeast started in Rochester. It is everyone's favorite supermarket. Everyone gushes about it. Oh my gosh. Wegmans is a great fucking place. What Wegmans does is they give you almost no choices of the products you can buy. They'll have the one brand, and then they'll have their Wegmans brand, and those are your two fucking choices for everything. So this is nothing new. You're stupid not to do this. If you're a company, and you're seeing what is selling, and you could create that product for less money and make more profit from it because you're the one who created it, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, You make a great you make a great point that uh, and and by the way there there was only one part of the entire article that had you know, so politico a little bit slanted and they clearly were on an anti-amazon bent and i i usually try to pick up on that sort of thing but there was sure. one paragraph at the very end where there was a spokesperson for amazon who shot back and said that everybody does this uh, it, i mean i don't think they actually it was somebody defending Amazon. I doubt it was a spokesperson because I think they're still <laughs> Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think the spokesperson but, would be like, yeah, we did it, but whatever. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, the, but the, the thing that that person pointed out was, well, supermarkets have been doing this for a long time. I'm like, yeah, but Amazon, there's a difference in scale. If not there is in a difference kind. in scale. There yeah, is a well, difference in scale. So what, what we get back to then is the monopoly status of Amazon, which is really the real problem. It's funny yeah. because it, what you're describing right now if you were to tell me that, did you know that if you search for videos on Google that YouTube shows up higher than Vimeo? It's like, yes, I do know that. Everybody knows that. These things are not new where these companies who have all this control can favor things that profit them over competitors. The problem is the monopoly itself. It's not that they're doing this. Of course they're doing this. Why would they do? How could they not do this is the question I would ask. How would they? They have Amazon branded products. How would they not choose which products to make based on what's sold and for how much money they sold for? I, I mean, from, from a purely capitalist perspective of I need to make more money, it makes perfect sense Amazon would do this. And that's funny uh, that they use the supermarket example. I didn't even read the article, but yeah, that's, that was my first thought too. It's like, yeah, this, this has been, this is nothing new. Yeah. So um, a- Amazon claims, uh, by the way, that when, when they were first accused of this in 2013, um, they say that uh, they have a policy which prohibits Amazon employees from using data to boost the sales of Amazon basics. Uh, Bezos, Bezos was, in fact, called in front of a congressional antitrust hearing last July um, after the yeah. Wall Street Journal reported that they did exactly that. And I, we, it was all in the news. Uh, and Jeff Bezos went up and said, what I can tell you is we have a policy against using seller-specific data to aid our private label business, but I can't guarantee you that policy has never been violated. 
what Politico is claiming now, and they, they claim to have got access to an internal report, although I could not find a link to the internal report. Bad. Shame on you, Politico. Um, but they say that uh, they have proof now that Bezos knew damn well about it. Oh, interesting. And, okay, so th- so now you got him on the, on the lie in front of Congress. Yeah, and and I think you know the 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 screwing over the American people—that's just good capitalism, right? Right. But lying to Congress—that's almost as bad as sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk. <laughs> no, you know what's so funny about that is lying to Congress is something that you can get in a lot of fucking trouble for. I have a feeling our friend Jeff Bezos will get in zero trouble for this. Oh, I don't no think doubt. there will be any issues for him no, whatsoever. They'll, they'll take a vote. They'll take a vote and the text of the vote will be, okay, how many people have been bought out by Amazon? Okay, I, now all the people who think that he should get, you know, burn for this. Oh, the eyes yeah. have it. <laughs> yeah, no shit. He fucking runs the Washington Post. Do you really <laughs> think these people are going to fucking vote against him? It's insane. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so, but, yeah. Front of, but that's a good point, though, because I, I understand that this policy is stupid. It's a monopoly. That's really what the problem is and, and the monopolistic powers. But then when you throw on top of that lying to Congress, I mean, it's a good thing he's so involved in the deep state or they might want to break up Amazon. Uh, a little antitrust yeah, suit you think would happen. be in order. Yeah, it, it Maybe it should by the letter of the law, but that ain't going to happen. I was listening to Tim Dillon was talking about this on his show. I don't know if you ever listened to Tim Dillon, but uh, Uh, very recently, very funny comedian. But he was talking about how everyone's calling for Facebook to be broken up because it's a monopoly. And he's like, well, how do you break it up? So Facebook exists because a huge percentage of people use it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because a huge percentage of people use it. And that's why it's valuable because all my family's on there and all my friends and I can get updates and I can communicate with them and all that stuff. So if you then decided that, okay, we're going to take Facebook and we're going to take 80% of the people off of that and put those people to seven other social networks. um, Well, then none of them are valuable anymore and people aren't going to use them. So it doesn't work that way. It's almost like it has to be regulated from some type of body that is an internal to Facebook that would, would be possibly the solution. You mean like an oversight board? Like an oversight board that doesn't actually report in to Mark Zuckerberg would be oh, a good place oh, to well start. Oh, now you're asking for too much. I know. What what kind of what kind of anarchist are you calling for regulation? By the way, can I, I ask a question? Why is Darren O'Neill in the chat and he's not on the show? He's obviously has time right now. Why is he not, why is he not podcasting with us? I I think his asshole hurts too much. He oh, okay. he went and had a doctor ream it out. That was the reason he couldn't make the show. Wow, you're giving out medical information. That's a HIPAA he, violation right there, my friend. Yes, it is. He could sue you. No, he will sue he, you. Yeah, yeah. and I'll go ahead and go back to the Grumpy Old Ben's episode a couple weeks ago where he gave out that information. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, there, there was a couple other things in the, in the report, like uh, talking about particular tools. There's a tool that Amazon uses called Spoofer Access, which mm-hmm. uh, if, if, if you want... I don't know, call, calling a tool spoofer and then trying to claim that it's not used for nefarious purposes might be tough. But <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's um, like when uh, when Google's motto was don't be evil. It's like, wait, why did you guys bring up evil? What's going yeah. on? Why, why yeah. is that even in your thought process? What, what are you talking about, yeah, evil? It's, okay, it's <laughs> nay with the evil. Yeah, it's like we're, um, we're kind of so, showing our hand here. Like, let's not, let's not be evil. Yeah, I wasn't planning on it. Why? Why did you bring that up? What's up? So this spoofer tool uh, allows Amazon employees to edit other people's accounts as the seller. 
uh, Amazon has a culture where they they are not like Microsoft, where everybody in the company is fully trusted. And therefore, uh, this particular tool was unsecured and anybody in the company could have for the last five years used without any logs or paper trail, use this tool to edit any seller's account as the seller. And there just isn't really any accountability. And you're um, saying that's not a best practice, Sir Bemros? Well, it turns out that that's kind of how programmers think. It's insane, um, man. That's insane. How but, do you not log? All right, go ahead. It's, I, it, because it's a debug tool. And I know damn well, because I am a programmer, that when when you are working on a program with other people on the team, everybody, I mean, first of all, you have to trust each other because you, you've got to collaborate and you've got to know that, okay, you're building this part. I'm building this part. They've got to mesh together and we get sure. together at the end. And so there, in order to work on a large project, there has to be a culture of trust already. If, if you don't have a culture of trust, the only way to enforce that is a thick, heavy, viscous layer of middle management. And that slows everything down. So no, if you no, want to be a business, what I'm talking about is just a change history. Shouldn't it be oh, logged? No. Yeah. It, it, Everything it, it, has a change history. But, but that's what I mean. The The culture of I trust everybody means, oh, it's extra. You know, the, the, the default state of any feature is not implemented. And if it's extra work, I'm, I'm just throwing this tool together to let me poke the database because that way we can do quick maintenance. Yeah. And I'm on a budget because I've got six other things I have to do this week. And I don't have time and I don't want to take the time to add in something that also stands up a database that keeps a log of when this tool is activated and then come up with a secure way of doing it. And, you know, really, we just trust everybody. Gotcha. Yep. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard to get away with that type of shit, a company the size it, of Amazon. Yeah, yeah well, or, or somebody who, you know, the moment that you start uh, taking money for services, you need to have accountability built into your system. When when it's just I, I'm poking the database of, of test results for our recent product pass, you're probably OK with that. But when it's I have the ability to modify somebody's account information. Yeah, I mean, there are real legal rules that you have to get around. And, and I feels like, you know, in, in that particular case, what they're guilty of is being completely clueless with regards to how do we handle the personal data and information of other people who aren't in the company. Right. So, uh, yeah. Again, um, nothing, nothing will come of this, right? No, this is no, this, nothing. There's will come not going to be, maybe there'll be a little fine that, you know, Bezos could write a check real quick and we're all good. Like what's going to happen with us? And uh, there is a, a disappointing number of stories that we bring where I, I, I come, the, I, I read the story, I, I research, I figure out, I'm like, people should be getting outraged about this. I go ahead and rant at high volume in front of my microphone about it. And then nothing happens with it. And yeah. I think that's it's the almost state of the like, world uh, it's almost like we live in a corrupt society and people have just fucking <laughs> given up. You I'm, get that I'm almost there. I'm almost there, man. <laughs> almost. <laughs> how, do you, okay. how do you fucking fix this shit? It's uh, it's gone. It's done. So. Uh, okay. Well, I'm out of stories. Do you have anything else you want to bring up? That's it, buddy. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Like I said, big shoes to fill today. I hope I did a decent job uh, knowing that our buddy Darren O'Neill wasn't here. I saw in the chat he'd like to come on the next time we have Brian Johnson on. I'll just plug. We just put out a podcast uh, yesterday with Brian Johnson from Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, and he they have a huge show over there, Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, so he was nice enough to spend some time reviewing a podcast with me. We both uh, pulled some clips and we talked about uh, what we liked, what we didn't like about it. A lot of fun. So uh, please check out 
who are these podcasts go to who are these.com where you can find all the episodes plus links to our patreon and our discord and our subreddit twitter youtube all the different places that you can interact and enjoy the content that's going on uh or just find who are these podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts hopefully not spotify or apple uh thank you very much uh sir sir carl the baron of rochester uh i i actually i really enjoyed this conversation and uh it, it was even more fulfilling than sitting in your discord and trolling you while you're trying to do a show i hope uh, so <laughs> i hope that's for, true uh, for uh, regular grumpy old ben's listeners and uh, in particular any experts who who donated to the the darren o medical fund in the hopes that he would come back i have every reason to believe that darren will be back on friday morning at uh 9 a.m left coast at 11 a.m central uh 24 hours after no agenda in on the no agenda stream um we will be pushing any thanking of any experts till then because i don't have the spreadsheet uh and uh so uh, thanks. Thanks for being with us and coming to you from America's left coast, where the shaggy dog story is a proud podcast tradition. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Do I have to sign off now, too? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Sleep well, everypony. pony.